Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey, guys. Well, guys, we made it to episode 38. Yee-haw! And a howdy-doody to you, partner. I think I just blew a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Didn't know if we'd get there, considering this was tax week. But, hey, you know, it's all behind us now. Yeah, and you might say that all my exes live in taxes. <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How much that cost? <laughs> uh, more than we're willing to admit. <laughs> the government's actually withholding my taxes this year for that. <laughs> Is that all I got to do to get the government to hold all my exes? <laughs> Sadly, it doesn't anyway. work that way. <laughs> If you missed our last episode, you should really check it out when the gang and I talked about the 1985 cinematic masterpiece, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. I mean, Teen Wolf. Is that what we're going with? Masterpiece? It's a masterpiece. No, it's two words. Masterpiece. Yeah, it's because it's a a piece of something to a masterful level. (laughs) Yes. That's a good way to describe that. I'll let you infer your own definition of that statement. (laughs) You can find that in all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and where you find your podcasts. I find mine in that weird space in the dryer where your socks keep disappearing. Narnia? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, Mr. Tumnus actually has all of my podcasts saved for me. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> we really appreciate our listener support. We'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five-star written review of your own on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks. So here's this week's five-star review. It's from, well, actually, we've read all of our five-star reviews. So if you're listening to the show right now and haven't left us a five-star review on iTunes, please be sure to do so. Who knows? It might just save the world. Make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app so you don't miss any of the good old day antics and be sure to tell your friends about the Dating Ourselves podcast. Awesome. Well, let's get started, guys. This week, I'm going to be leading a discussion on Mighty Max, the TV series, which was submitted by Jordan M., better known as longtime friend of the show Morden from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, thank you, Morden. This is a great topic. Welcome back, Morden. It's been a while since we've had your name pop up. It really has been. I'm trying to remember what the last time uh, he submitted a topic. It's Oh, my gosh. I forget. I think he came up like outside of an actual submission like somewhat recently like maybe within the last couple of episodes i mean not a day goes by where at least you know one of us doesn't mention morden you know that's true even when we're not recording he just comes up you know he's he is the apple of our collective eye i i honestly think the last topic he submitted was at least that we talked about was 1992 dream team Oh, my episode. Yeah. So I think he was one of the submitters of Tamagotchi. That could be too. That could be too. I, I didn't get through that whole scroll of names right now. So that could very well be, though. That's okay. We'll wait. 
But he has at least 700 entries in the hopper, so I'm sure he's bound to come back. Yeah, he'll be out a few more. Give or take 400, you know. (laughs) So remember, we'll pick the next episode's topic at the end of the show. It will be Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia Combat! Thank you for picking up the slack for me there, Brian. (laughs) For everyone else in uh, internet land. Paul's a little under the weather, so I got to do double the lifting when it comes to screaming my guts out. Yep, you, I, a fine job you did, Brian. <laughs> I currently have walking pneumonia, and I'm going on my second week, so things are a little bit better. But if you, you know, hear me start crying after these guys make me laugh for longer than I should, <laughs> or if I choose not to yell, it's because my lung capacity is not where it should be. Isn't uh, walking pneumonia the uh, origin story for The Walking Dead? Yes. <laughs> Paul is Wait, in the makings of a zombie right now. <laughs> I'm stacking treadmills up outside just to throw everybody off. <laughs> Why would you get the walking pneumonia, though? Wouldn't the resting pneumonia be better? You wouldn't have to exert so much energy? I don't know. <laughs> oh, so anyway, at the end of our episode, we'll have Nostalgia Combat. Nostalgia It'll be Combat. me and Dick <laughs> Tracy <laughs> versus Paul and the Mystery Date Board Game. We will also visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get another topic for Brian. So, Brian, tell us about Mighty Max. And no, we are not talking about Mighty Max Weinberg from the E Street Band. That's absolutely true. And we're also not talking about the 1980s cartoon Fantastic Max either. So, ah, the yeah, well, I diaper and the rocket all ship. my notes earlier. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try and get you up to speed. So, uh, Mighty Max, real quickly, I wanted to kind of talk about where the idea for the show came from. But I know this is also a topic in our hopper of imagination, so I don't want to dwell on it too much. But, um,. The show is based on a line of toys. The toys were made by a British company called Bluebird Toys. Um, the and he's Polly Pocket's brother, right? Yes, it actually was an extension of the Polly Pocket line. So Polly Pocket was a, a girl's toy, mostly, um, that fit in your pocket, and you would open it up, and it would typically be something like a, uh, like a makeup bag or a, a purse or uh, you know, some other type of typically like a cosmetic thing and you would open it up and it would be like a little place at like a house like a beauty parlor or like uh going to the park or something like that and you'd have little tiny play pieces that you'd work with so like a little tiny less than an inch high figure of little miss polly pocket herself mighty max was essentially the exact same thing except it was marketed to young boys and so it was you know instead of going to the beauty parlor you were going on a spaceship to fight aliens or you were going to a cursed tomb to fight a living mummy those types of things Mm. bluebird toys actually merged with mattel in the late 90s so they actually are no longer a thing um but the toy line itself is still considered extremely popular and um is something that's oh it's it's highly sought after by collectors i mean they don't make the toys anymore they dis- I was going to say, I don't remember the last time I saw a Mighty no, Max No, they discontinued them in the early 2000s, like 2001. 
under Mattel. Um, I think that most of the production, though, was discontinued at least for new models in the late 90s, like 97, 98, when they were acquired. But, I mean, on Craigslist and eBay and things like that, you can still see these things fetch a pretty hefty price. Um, real quick, I don't want to, like I said, dwell on this too much, but do you guys have any memories of the Mighty Max toys or anything like that? Not really, no. I remember <clears throat> the uh, skull one, mm. where it was the skull. The shape was the skull from the Skull Master, and you opened it up, and it was like a little dungeon, and you had your Max character, and then um, that's really all I remember. I think it only came with Max. I don't remember it coming with a Skull Master. It's just it folded up into the shape of his skull. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the the thing, the cool thing with Mighty Max is that there was a lot of different types of villains that he would face. And in the cartoon series, it was primarily this Skullmaster character. So Mighty Max, the show, was released September 12th, 1993, and it continued on for two seasons with 40 episodes total, uh, ending December 2, 1994. Um, That's not enough for syndication. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's crazy. Well, and the other crazy thing about it, too, is the show itself was pretty comical. There was a lot of sarcastic, snarky humor, kind of to a surprising level for a kid's show. Um, Like, it was definitely written for, I would think, probably 10 to 15-year-olds as opposed to, like, 6 to 8-year-olds. Pretty clever in its writing. And we'll actually talk about the, the arc through the story of those two seasons. I think they did a, an amazing job putting this together considering it was essentially just a, a 40 episode toy commercial. Um, it's it's actually really impressive like the stories they were able to put together with this. I really think that this is there came a trend in kids TV and you started to get away from the true toy commercial and then you started to get shows like Gargoyles and Batman the Animated Series mm-hmm, and shows mm-hmm. that were much more epic, for lack of a better word, in their storytelling. Like, they told a story that continued throughout as opposed to a week-to-week. I mean, usually there was a villain of the week and a beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end, but there was always a large, overarching story that was much more immersive than you think. When you think back to G.I. Joe... More serialized, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because G.I. Joe, yeah, it was all condensed into 22 minutes, you know. Um, You think about the old Garfield cartoons and things like that. Those were condensed Mm -hmm. down to 11 minutes because you had two episodes in every every half hour. Um, Yeah, so Mighty Max, I don't think we've done a a terribly good job of describing who he is. Um, When the toys were released, Mighty Max was just like, a kid that apparently was going on all these crazy adventures. And there wasn't really a whole lot of story as to what was going on, but he always wore a white shirt with a big red M on it. And he had a red cap with a yellow M on it. So essentially anyone that's gone to the university of Maryland, that's basically what you would wear on your first day of class. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, he, uh, they don't really talk about, why he has the cap or where it came from or what it does for him, if anything. Um, But the TV show does. Essentially, Max is just a regular, probably 12-year-old kid living in what appears to be some type of suburban Californian town. It seems to be nice there all year long. And he uh, lives with his mom, and she is a very busy archaeologist who's traveling the world all the time. 
and he kind of just hangs out at home all the time and rides his BMX bike and orders pizza for himself and stuff like that. And he gets a package one day that's delivered for him instead of his mom, which is kind of unusual. And he opens the package, and there's this uh, statue in there, and it's got a whole bunch of Egyptian hieroglyphics on it. Because his mom is an archaeologist, because they were talking about Egyptology in school recently, he's able to kind of translate some of the letters and stuff. And then he drops the statue, and it shatters, and there's a ball cap inside. And that's when he finally gets his ball cap. And what we don't realize right away is that ball cap is kind of a key to these portals that are basically wormholes all over the globe that connect all over the place. So he goes to the mini mart. I don't remember why he goes, maybe just to get a soda or something. And it was written on the statue. That's right. The statue says to go. It actually to- said the statue said to go to the mini mart and chill. Yep. <laughs> In hieroglyphics. That's right. Hieroglyphics. That's right. Um, yeah. So he gets down there and he thinks there's like a robbery or something going on because the the clerk is like nervous and then he runs out the door. But really, he's being chased by a lava beast, which is probably worse than being robbed. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. Max runs out, gets on his bike. He's taken off down the street riding as fast as he can. This lava monster thing is chasing after him. And he just looks like he's going to crash into the side of a building. And he ends up going through this portal, which transports him to the Mongolian desert. And that's where he meets his two most trusted allies in the series, other than his mom, um, NB, who we'll get to in a little bit, is Virgil and Norman. So Virgil is a Lumerian from the uh, ancient civilization of Lumeria. And for whatever reason, he is a fowl. In other words, a chicken pheasant owl looking thing wearing a robe and he is exceptionally smart and knows basically everything about everything especially as it relates to this prophecy and mighty max you know his just regular kid he's just max but now that he's got this cap he's the cap bearer and he's the chosen one so he is the mighty one and norman knows his name written on his own clothes that's right (laughs) that's right And Virgil knows all of this stuff. He's got it all on scrolls that he carries with him everywhere. He knows where every single portal is and where it connects to. Because you don't get to pick and choose where each portal goes. I mean, it's just like taking the highway anywhere. Um, And you need the cap in order to enter the portals. Um, He can bring people with him. If they're like nearby, they can enter the portals. But Virgil's kind of there to help him navigate both that system as well as kind of what his destiny is supposed to be. And then Norman is the muscles. He's a a giant, like, I think he's like seven foot tall, Viking with a ponytail and a giant ass sword. Um, And anytime that there's trouble, he's the guy that, you know, if brute strength needs to be applied, he's the one to go to. And if book smarts needs to be applied, they typically go to Virgil. And the street smarts, that's kind of Max's forte. If I remember right, Norman had, like, that was like the start of the trend of, like, the overbearing, tall, you know, like lurking dude always had to have like his arms wrapped. And mm-hmm. I still don't understand this like, you know, fashion trend for guns for hire, but they always like have like medical tape around their, you know, wrist all the way up to the elbow. You know, yeah. wrestlers did it to hide razor blades, but I don't understand <laughs> why, uh, you know bodyguards do it to look tough well one of his arms was like entirely covered in metal and i never understood if that was like 
armor or if it was like some type of prosthetic. I really don't know. Um, but it was definitely some a look that a lot of characters were going with at the time. You know why it made them look tough? Because when they were getting ready to get into a fight and stuff like that, they would sit there and take the tape off and it would show how strong they were because they'd be ripping all of that hair out of their arm as they were taking it off. And people were like, okay, I don't want to mess with this guy. I thought you were going to say it covered the cigarette burns. <laughs> They're chicken pox. <laughs> Guys, he's contagious. Run! <laughs> Get back here, camel. <laughs> but yeah, so... So Mighty Max has kind of two things going on with it. There is a mythology type series, and then there's kind of a monster of the week. So kind of a similar setup to X-Files, if you will, um, that there is like an arching story that goes on, and maybe every third or fourth episode is directly tied to that. And then there's other episodes sprinkled in that are less directly tied, but all part of that same universe. And essentially, Max goes to field trips, and he's taking tests, and he's going to the laundromat, and he's on vacation with his mom. And then out of nowhere, he'll get like a postcard or, you know, a note passed to him in class. And it'll always be from Virgil saying, hey, mighty one, get your ass to Budapest. We need you, you know, and then that's kind of how that all all works out. There's a demon. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the mythology story is wrapped around this Skullmaster character that Paul mentioned earlier. And Skullmaster is this badass dude that lives in like the middle of the earth. And basically, according to lore, what happened is that the earlier Chosen One was fighting Skullmaster on the surface of the earth and sacrificed himself and fell through a portal with Skullmaster that took him to the center of the earth. And he had no way to get out because the cap apparently didn't make it through the portal with them. Like it fell off while they were fighting. The two of them were in the center of the earth. Obviously that guy gets killed. But Skullmaster builds this giant army of skeleton warriors and lava beasts. Lava beasts and and demons. and I think it's important to point out here too at this point since we're talking about him. Do you guys know who voiced... The oh, oh, I do, I do. I actually have a whole bunch of stuff about this stuff. But go ahead, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. You're, you're, it's your topic, man. Oh, no, you guys can feel free to jump in. Um, yeah, let, let's actually talk about some of the characters and who they are, who played them, and some of the other roles that those people were in. So Skullmaster was played by none other than... Tim Curry. Tim Curry, that's right. So Pennywise from It... Uh, Long John Silver, yep, Frankenfurter, and then Long John Silver from Muppet Treasure Island. He's been in a lot of, lot of different stuff. Um, Clue, yep, Clue the movie, (laughs) Mikhail's Navy the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's a lot of really, really huge acting talent, at least voice acting talent, uh, that was in this show. So Max himself was uh, was Rob Paulson. Uh, who is born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Rob Paulson has also been Raphael and Donatello of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's been Yakko and Pinky of Animaniacs slash Pinky and the Brain. Uh, He was Steelbeak and Darkwing Duck. And he was also Arthur in the 1994 Tick animated series. 
So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did not know that either. He's got a lot of other credits, but those are some some of the highlights. Uh, Virgil was played by Tony J, who also was Judge Claude Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Megabyte from Reboot, um, Sher right. Khan from Tailspin, and the narrator of the Animaniacs. Oh, nice. Norman, our big Viking man, uh, was played by Richard Mole, who was in Night Court as Bull Shannon. And uh, he did tons of other voice work. Like, like it's absolutely insane. But a lot of it's just like additional voices or a character that was in one or two episodes. Basically, if you ever needed a tough guy with a menacing voice for like an episode, you hired Richard Mole for that. So Or a bailiff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Max's mom was played by Tress McNeil, who is Charlotte Pickles from the Rugrats. In other words, Angelica's super business mom, um, nice. as well as uh, Mona Simpson, Agnes Skinner, the crazy cat lady. Like the list of people she's been on the Simpsons is absolutely nuts. She was a bunch Who of characters. What's the first one from the Simpsons you said? Mona Simpson. Mona. So Homer's mom. Homer's mom. mom. Oh, okay. That's right. She was only in like an episode, right? That's like a lot of like, their, like a lot of her credits yeah. were just like, yeah, mm, few people here and there she was a poo's wife so i mean that's a little bit um more common and agnes skinner which i think is skinner's mom right yep yep mother then b b is basically the boof of the mighty max world so she is like the best friend who's kind of has a crush on max kind of gets jealous when he's talking with other girls but he's not really interested at all uh played by kathy sochi who also was lola bunny in space jam linka from captain planet Dexter's mom and Phil, Lil, and Betty Deville, all from the Rugrats. So basically, the whole Deville <laughs> family, except for I think it's I think it's how I think Howard's the husband's name. Um, we already talked about Tim Curry, and there's a bunch of other voice talent in here too that did multiple characters, like Frank Welker, for example. He was the Lava Lord and Warmonger. But in the and past, Scooby-Doo. but in the past, he's been Scooby Doo. He's been Fred Jones from Scooby Doo. He's been Nibbler from Futurama. He's been Megatron, Soundwave, Buzzsaw, Mixmaster, and like fourteen other Decepticons from Transformers. <laughs> Dang. And then he was also Brain, Doctor Claw, and Mad Cat from Inspector Gadget. Uh, Kenneth Mars was a bunch of different characters, and he also played uh, Franz uh, Liebkind. Is that how you say that, Adam? Liebkin? Yeah, Liebkin from the producers. Um, And then he was Otto, which is uh, Francis's boss from Malcolm in the Middle. And then he was also on We're Back, that dinosaur movie from the 90s. He was uh, Professor Screw Eyes. And then Jim Cummings (laughs) is like literally every bad guy that is in one episode uh, in, in Mighty Max, like Ravenclaw, Doom Dragon, Beowulf. He's the voice for Winnie the Pooh, Tigger. Oh. Taz of Tasmania, Cat of Cat Dog, and Pete of Goof Troop and or a Goofy Movie. So wow, and these are just some of the ones that I recognized like right off the page as I was scrolling through. Like I know who this person is, and I recently went through and watched the entirety of Mighty Max like within the last couple weeks, and it's uh, it's actually a really amazing series. But I've been kind of doing a symposium on Mighty Max for the last like twenty minutes. So, do you guys got any thoughts or any uh, any takeaways? Anything that you remember about the show? Or I used to really like um, Norman. The fact that he was a Viking. They allude to the fact that you know he might have been Sir Lancelot. Mm-hmm. 
that he might be Thor. Yep. Um, might be Samson. Might be uh, yeah. There's Hercules. A, yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So now that we've talked about the characters, I want to quick go back to the mythology. We're talking about Skullmaster, and Skullmaster has this crystal of souls or something like that. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, Real quick about Skullmaster. Yeah. Is it just me, or is he like Mumra and Skeletor put together? It's like the writer really liked both of those I characters, so he on. put them together <laughs> in, in one guy and then gave him like a dark helmet. I think that's spot on. <laughs> And he kind of has a uh, like a, a Shao Kahn sort of quality about him too, just like the big yes. broad shoulders and the he's, cape, and he's soft spoken but not. He's got that like level of chill across everything. Yeah, the maniacal Tim Curry at his finest for sure. Yes. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So his whole plan, you know, as it is with every villain, is to take over the world. Um, as with Pinky and the Brain, too, weirdly enough. But <laughs> but yeah, so there's a whole lot of episodes where they go to the center of the Earth to fight him. Um, he ends up getting out of the center of the Earth. Max is trying to trick him with something, and he thinks of this. Yeah, yeah, we lost this battle, but this is going to be like long game. This was a risk worth taking, and it kind of puts the whole prophecy that Virgil knows up on its head. But in between these mythology episodes, there's a lot of weekly, like, Monster of the Week type episodes. Some highlights of that is there are mummies in Egypt, which is pretty pretty awesome. Um, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> mummies in Egypt. Yeah. And uh, What an original concept. Yeah. <laughs> so, going back to that B character... Um, her and Max and their whole, you know, sixth grade class or whatever grade they are, are at the museum and there's an Egyptian exhibit there. And while they're there, Max, he decides that he's really into this other girl, which I think her name is like Giffy or something like that. It's it's really atrocious. I, I wish I could remember. <laughs> but he's really into this, this, this blonde girl and he finds a portal that takes him directly to Egypt and he takes this Ankh. Um, so like the cross necklace with the, the Egyptian cross brings it back for this girl. Lo and behold, you know, the, the tomb was cursed. So all these mummies start harassing her and bring her back to Egypt and he has to go save the day. You would think as the son of an archaeologist who deals in grave robbing that he would know not to remove cursed artifacts from a tomb. I mean, he literally fights monsters for a living and right. it doesn't occur to him that this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's also, you know, an adolescent with hormones, so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there were mummies in Egypt. There were zombies in Haiti. Um, they find a lost gorilla civilization in like the Congo. Um, there's a freak show with a clown that's transforming children into freaks. There's a giant spider. There's actually one where, uh, there's a creator of a video game that essentially becomes like a superhuman super virus. Yes. We, you can't just skip over cyber skull. No, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. <laughs> so, as, as the nerd, this is the one I remember. Mm -hmm. Cyber skull is a computer programmer who uh, merged with a computer virus, and he's basically like his own Matrix. Yeah. 
He can become electricity and he can alter things around him. And it really makes no sense whatsoever. But <laughs> Cyber Skull is a badass name for a computer villain. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. There's one. I'm also kind of sad that you forgot that the robot spider was arachnoid. You're right. It is arachnoid. And then there's another episode where there's these giant scorpions in the desert. It turns out they're all under the control of this, I think it's Dr. Scorpio, if I'm remembering correctly. And Not he, Hank Scorpio, is no, it? No, no, different guy. Different guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he lives in a, like a fallout bunker built in the 1950s. All the furniture in there is all like Mad Men. You know, the the music is all marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, I mean, it's it's very like <laughs> caught in time. And he's calling Max like sport and champ and all this stuff like grown men used to call kids back in the day. It's a really interesting episode because he's been living in radiation for so long, like in the Nevada desert or whatever, that he basically has to wipe out the whole world and make it at that level of radiation so he can leave his bunker, which would kind of suck for the rest of us who haven't grown accustomed to that level of radiation. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so like I mentioned, the mythology keeps popping up every few episodes or so, and it all gets wrapped up in this absolutely epic battle at the end of season two, a two part episode where now that Skullmaster is on the surface of the Earth and no longer at the Earth's core based on celestial calendars and things like that, there are certain things that he needs to do, certain people he needs to kill at certain times in order for the prophecy to come true for him and make him the supreme ruler of the planet or whatever. Is this a fictional character or Tim Curry's life story? It's both. It's both. <laughs> it's his life story with embellishments. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, this show, like I mentioned earlier, there was a lot of really great comedy in it, a lot of great sarcasm and quips, but it also received a lot of concern from parents for being particularly violent. In the beginning of almost every episode, the monster that was involved in the episode would usually be portrayed killing somebody. Um, you know, and that's why they would have to go save the day or these two episodes. Not only did it start that way, Norman gets eaten by a giant spider and we, when he's fighting arachnoid in like episode 12 or whatever it is, he mentions the entire time that he's afraid of spiders and we, we never really find out why. Like, is it just like a, like a Indiana Jones doesn't like snakes? Like that's just kind of a reoccurring thing. Okay. He's, he's afraid of spiders. Well, no, you find out in episode 39 and 40 that he's afraid of spiders because the prophecy says that he's going to be killed by spiders. And that, mm. that happens. Virgil ends up getting killed by Skullmaster. And then um, Max gives Skullmaster the cap, which is the last thing that he needs in order to fulfill his, his destiny. But somehow Max, like, I don't know, he has like this thought and because he's the chosen one because he's the cat bearer he like jumps on to skull master as the sun is setting on the winter solstice in the middle of stonehenge like all these things are lining up um <laughs> he just happens to jump on him right at the exact time and it ends up instead of transporting him to a different place 
transports him to a different time and it actually brings him all the way back to the beginning of the first episode so he's just hanging out in his house and the doorbell rings and he goes to answer it and he gets a package and it's kind of like groundhog day it isn't until he drops the thing on the ground that there's a note from virgil and the cap and he realizes i've done this all before i've seen all this i can do this all again and i can do it better and have learned from my mistakes and and where i did things wrong and that's where the series ends um wow and it's really mind-blowing that he creates like a time paradox and gets to kind of mulligan the whole thing but yeah that's pretty deep for a kids show too i've been telling you man you gotta watch this because i don't think either of you watched this did you I've never seen an recently? episode of this Recently, yeah. recently. So there is somebody on YouTube, God bless them, that has made a, a playlist of every episode back to back to back to back to back. So if you have an Apple TV or a um, Chromecast, stream it onto your TV and just, just watch it. Like it's, it's really, really great stuff. And the jokes, like I keep talking about, are so funny. The episode in Egypt, him and B, so the Boof character are in this pyramid to go rescue the cute blonde girl who's been kidnapped for having a cursed onk around her neck. They bump into a skeleton, and Max screams, like, ah! And and B's like, what, Max? It's just a skeleton. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, I see skeletons all the time. Some of my best friends are skeletons. He's like, what's going on, Bones? You need to cut back on the fiber, man. Uh, You know, (laughs) just, like, little jokes like that, you know, like constantly just very very quippy i mean it's rob paulson that that's just kind of his his demeanor i mean it definitely felt like yakko from animaniacs as a teenager like a teenage kid from the suburbs but that's basically all that i have on on the mighty one you guys have any other thoughts So as we talk about this and I think about it, it kind of creeps me out how close in plot this is to Spawn. Mm. (laughs) And, you know, not from a heaven and hell perspective, but you have your unlikely hero who's prophesized, who has to give something of himself to the bad guy in order to bring about the end of the world. Hmm. That's really you know, interesting. With everything being prophecy driven and you have your oracles and reoccurring bad guys on both sides. Interesting. I had not given that any thought. Neither had I until just That's... now, but it just sort of hit me that it's it's very similar. Yeah, definitely. Well, that same YouTube user has also done like an analysis and uh, synopsis of the entire the entire series, uh, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't stress enough. If you look up Mighty Max TV series on YouTube, he's the only one, or she's the only one that's posting this stuff. Check it out. It's it's so so awesome. One other thing that I forgot about that I wanted to bring up is that these episodes were about twenty minutes long, full of adventure and really silly jokes. At the very end of the episode, though, the last minute or two they would have some type of PSA at the end. 
And it was it was less it was less GI Joe safety, you know, look both ways before you cross the street, don't talk to strangers type PSAs Pork as chop it, sandwiches. Yeah. That's yeah. just what I was thinking. Hey kid, I'm a computer. Stop all the downloading. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh. goodness. <laughs> the the as soon as you said GI Joe, the pork chop sandwiches one came into my head. Oh, Do you know my dad? <laughs> no, it was uh, it was less like that. It was more like Magic School Bus or Bill Nye. So very much teaching, typically something that was related to the episode. So if they went to Egypt to face mummies, they would do something about Egypt. Or, you know, the episode where they're fighting arachnoid. They do something about spiders and how spider webs are like one of the strongest materials on the planet. Um, and those were always really interesting. You know, it was something that a lot of shows were doing at the time. But I think that Mighty Max did just a really great job of... Because Max is the one instructing on it as opposed to like Miss Frizzle or something like that. So like, man, you could be a really cool kid and you can skateboard all around town. And you can save the world with a Viking and a giant chicken in a robe. And you can also still get good grades and be smart. Like it was like it was allowed. It was okay to be uh, to be knowledgeable about a history. kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be a, to be a kid, but to be knowledgeable about history and science and things like that that maybe other shows didn't emphasize as much. Mm-hmm. So fair. What about you, Adam? Um, literally have never seen an episode of this show don't know anything about it so wow i, I have no uh, literally all i know about is that tim curry was a voice in it <laughs> and what i know now having <laughs> yeah i was gonna to say Brian. did you like just put cotton in your ears wasn't listening <laughs> <laughs> i'm not hearing this <laughs> yeah. so i remember this show being in I don't know. It couldn't. It must have been syndication because if it only ran for two years, it would have been like the mid '90s that I was watching it. Uh-huh. And it, I remember, you know, you had your traditional Saturday morning cartoons. You had your Fox Kids Saturdays. You had your Marvel Action Universe. Yep. You had your CBS cartoons. But if I remember right, Mighty Max was part of Cartoon Express. It which was be. part of the USA block of programming, which also featured Highlander, the animated series. Late in its run, it had the Starship Troopers cartoon series. They were kind of no. Oh, Skeleton Warriors was a cartoon. I love Express. Skeleton Warriors. That was awesome. Did, did they carry Mad Men, the animated series? <laughs> no, no. I wish they had. But. I, I just remember uh, Cartoon Express being a much more older kids, um, you know, Saturday morning cartoon. And it started a little bit later. Like, you know, your traditional morning cartoons started at between 730 and 8 a.m., whereas Cartoon Express started at like 11. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, but I don't know if that was its first run. I just know that that's where I saw it. According to this, it says the original network was syndication Amazing Adventures. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find any other information about where it was. Hmm, that's interesting. I Yeah, I'll, I'll have to do some more research to see if I can figure that out. Um, it's not readily available on Wikipedia, but I'm sh- there's a Mighty Max wiki that I found um, that is absolutely way more in-depth than I would have ever imagined any anything on the internet being about any particular topic. Ah, so here we go. 
So originally Cartoon Express was a Hanna-Barbera thing. And then in 1993, Cartoon Express introduced original series, including Problem Child, the animated series, Itsy Bitsy Spider, Mighty Max, and it became the new home for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow, there you go. And it was part of the USA Network. I have a quick question. Yeah. Is there mm-hmm. any property that they didn't turn into an animated series in the 90s? No. Like, They're is definitely... there an American Psycho, the, the <laughs> uh, animated series? I mean, I definitely remember <laughs> watching Ace Ventura Pet Detective, the animated series. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much everything had an animated series. Uh, and a lot Silence of animated movies. Silence of the Lambs, movies. the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, some Clockwork other Orange, so, the animated series. <laughs> so some other, uh, they weren't necessarily the original homes, but some of the Cartoon Express uh, action team, which Mighty Max was a part of, included Wildcats. Oh yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog, Street Fighter, Ronin Warriors, Monster in My Pocket, Highlander, the animated series, Double Dragon, Exo Squad, and Gargoyles. I feel nice. like we need to do episodes on all of these topics. I know several of them are in the hopper, but I think several are not. And I hadn't even thought of Ronin Warriors until you just mentioned them. Um, Neither had I. Or Exo Squad. I forgot Exo Squad was ever a thing. Yeah, I definitely had the toys for that, like the big mech things, like the mech suits. Yep. Yep. Were, uh, so cool. Um, my last thought on Mighty Max is uh, that the music for this show, especially the first season, was spectacular like for a syndicated cartoon like marketed to 10 to 15 year olds it was incredible um i mean yeah it was generic in some ways but it was like it was like generic joe satriani like it was generic like (laughs) like dream theater like it was it was so like the very guitar driven with just really intricate melodies and things like that over some really strange chord changes and i'm getting super musically uh stupid over (laughs) here but it's that's one of the aspects of the show that i like the most um you know other than like there's definitely educational merit throughout the show i think that the music itself was just so cool uh, episode two is something like Attack of the Brain Suckers or Invasion of the Brain Suckers or something like that, and they're they're basically H.R. Geiger style, like alien style aliens that suck people's brains out, and the music in that is so awesome, like heavy evil sounding crap that was playing on Saturday morning, like it's it's good stuff. I'd recommend it. <laughs> Well, I guess that wraps up our discussion on Mighty Max, the animated series. Now moving on to... Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia Combat! Thank you, because it took all the room to get the first part out. Oh, Paul. <laughs> Oh, hopefully your walking pneumonia will turn into sitting pneumonia and it'll be a lot better. But <clears throat> I have devised a trivia question for these co-hosts <laughs> to answer. Whoever is closest will get to lead their chat next week. 
Paul has Mystery Date, and Adam has Dick Tracy. Are you guys ready? Let's ready. do it. All right, so this is not a Mighty Max-related question, but it is a Damn. 90s question. Ooh. In the 1994 film Shawshank Redemption, Tim Robbins' character Andy is sentenced multiple life sentences for a crime he committed. How many life sentences is he sentenced? I believe it was five consecutive life sentences. All right. Paul? I'm going to go with four, but to be honest, I always picked this up on TNT when he was already at the prison. Yeah. Fair enough. (laughs) I've seen the movie a thousand times in tiny little pieces when TNT ran it for, you know, weekend after weekend after weekend. Well, they still play it pretty regularly, I think. I believe it. Yeah. But I, I swear I've always started at the same point in the movie and watched till the end. I don't think I've ever seen it from the very, very beginning. I think up until this summer, I had the same exact thing. I think I actually finally sat down and watched the whole thing. But I always caught it in the same two spots. It was either right as he was breaking out of the prison or when he was first meeting Morgan Freeman's character in the... That's exactly the where I always pick up at. <laughs> that must be the designated pickup point for that movie. <laughs> so when I was still living in Michigan, I went to Meyer and they had a big DVD bin in the middle of the aisle. Um, and I found a three-pack of Stephen King movies, which was The Shining, Shawshank Ooh, Redemption... Nice. And Tommy Knockers. Oh, nice! Pretty, pretty exciting. So that was still it sits... the uh, was it the Kubrick Shining or oh, the yeah. mm-hmm. okay? Yep. So the, I... the made for TV version of it was more accurate to the book, but man, it was not nearly as good as the Kubrick one. No, no. Have you guys heard about um, the moon landing? Was actually a hoax. <laughs> but the but the film was shot by Stanley Kubrick, and he is such a stickler for on-site location, so he actually went to the moon himself <laughs> to film it. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad that clears it up. So, moon landing fake, but filmed on the moon. For... Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, crisis lunar lander actors that were uh, portrayed in it. <laughs> um, Anyway, <laughs> so the correct answer is actually two life sentences he was uh, sentenced. So, Paul, you are actually the closest, which means uh, we'll be talking about mystery date next time. Just for a fun ooh. little tiebreaker, had there been a tie, what was the crime he was accused of? Uh, Murdering his wife? Question mark? Well, it was definitely that, but I'm trying to think of what the actual crime would have been. Was it uh, involuntary manslaughter? Um, it was for murder, um, and I think it was murdering his wife and her lover. And, yeah, because oh. he shot both of them when he found them together. And I think it was like first-degree homicide. I don't think it was anything. Oh, okay plea bargained or anything like that so but yeah so there you have it folks exciting stuff well there you have it i am the winner and will be guiding us through the land of mystery date next time Ooh. adam the loser still has dick 
Tracy in his pocket. And now we'll head to visit the Hopper of Imagination to get a new topic for Brian. We want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, please submit those suggestions at our website at www.datingourselvespodcast.com. kick this party off so i have three categories here each have an associated topic with them for brian so i'm going to go ahead and read off the category he will then choose the category and i will tell him the associated topic for that so brian would you like a movie pop culture or video game Ooh. um movie pop culture or video game well you currently have a movie um i do and we talked about teen wolf not that long ago so i think i'm gonna cross that out um so pop culture or video game let's go with pop culture all right your topic for next time is the sony walkman Oh my god, yes! <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I figured you'd like that. That is terrific. Awesome. Well, um, that's our show, guys. So thanks for joining us on Dating Ourselves. Be sure to check us out in two weeks when Paul talks with us about Mystery Date the Mystery Board date. Game. That's right. And then uh, Adam still has Dick Tracy, and now I have Sony Walkman. So check those out in future episodes as well. Thanks again for checking us out, guys. Uh, this is us, Paul, Brian, Adam from Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. Check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send submissions to datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've got mail. In addition to iTunes, you can find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwback action. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us there at Dating Ourselves Podcast, and we do the Twitter thing too, at Dated Podcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dead. Later, guys. See ya. Good night. Bye.